the volume. The Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona 18887897777 or visit ccpg.org/chat for Connecticut 1800gambler or visit fanduel.com/rg for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania and Virginia 1877770stop for Louisiana 1800270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan 18778hopeny or text hopeny for New York Tennessee Redline 1800889 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the sessions. Have another really great pair of guests on the show today. I've got on Evan and Jason. Uh, You guys know them from Dark Side of the Ring, but now they've got this brand new show called Tales from the Territories. They've paired up with Seven Bucks Productions with Dwayne The Rock Johnson putting out this brand new show. It drops October 4th. These guys are great. I feel like everything they touch, especially in this like documentary wrestling world, they just absolutely crush. So really happy to pick these guys' brains yet again. So before we get into that episode, though, I need to talk to you guys about a fun little thing called NetSuite. So 2000, 2008, 2022, when it comes to the economy, those are some pretty scary years. The dot-com crash, housing crash, and the roller coaster that we're going through right now. But one thing is certain, it's a dangerous time to not know your numbers, but over 31,000 businesses have the confidence and clarity that they need because they rely on NetSuite by Oracle, the number one cloud financial system. So NetSuite gives you visibility and control of your financials, your inventory, HR, planning, and budgeting so that you can manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything that you need all in one place. So how do you prepare for uncertain times? The answer, of course, is NetSuite. NetSuite helps you identify rising costs, automate your business processes, and easily see where you can save money. That's why 93% of customers say that they improved their visibility and control when they upgraded to NetSuite. NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing programming. Just head to netsuite.com slash sessions. Do that right now. NetSuite.com slash sessions. Get in on it. Be smarter about your business. NetSuite has you hooked up. All right, guys, let's get into it. This is Jason and Evan. We're talking Tales of the Territories. Customers here on the sessions we've got on Jason and Evan, you guys coming in from Tales of the Territories, new programming this time around. How are you guys doing? Good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Oh my God, I'm so pumped to have you guys on. How have you been between the last time I had you on? Was, has it been, how long has it been since you guys were on here? Oh, about a year, right? 
I think a year or so. Yeah, probably because I was still in Vegas when we recorded last time. So yeah, it's been a been a little minute. We haven't really stopped since we last saw you, though. We uh, yeah, exactly. You know, made a new TV show, and I just finished a movie that we just premiered. Ooh, wait, what movie did you do? I just uh, made a movie called Kids vs. Aliens. Cool. <laughs> Where did it premiere? It just premiered at Fantastic Fest, actually. Uh, both Evan and I were just in Austin, Texas for the festival. Yeah, last week. Last week. Yeah, it was great. It was killer. It was a good time. How was like, what was like the reception for the film? It was great. Uh, I couldn't have asked for anything uh, better. I, w- I was so nervous. I, I haven't been so like nerve wracked. And it- because it's been so long since we've been able to like, play anything we've made. I think the last time we actually had something that we could play for an audience was when we did the pilot episode, I think, of uh, Dark Side of the Ring, which was the Bruiser Brody episode. Where did you guys play the pilot for that? Who was like the first audience to see that? We actually showed the pilot of Dark Side uh, at StarCast, I think the very first year of StarCast, uh, which was cool. And we had Dutch Mantel out. Yeah, it was. It was great. It was cool. And I think uh, that was an awesome opportunity. So, um, But yeah, like Jason said, we hadn't had an opportunity to play uh, any of the shows live. I'm, I, I know we were going to do a season two premiere event, like a huge screening with Chris Jericho and everybody. That's when the pandemic hit, like right there. So we were unable to do that. So we haven't really done that. But it was really cool last week being with Jason, you know, for the premiere of his new movie. And then now we got a new show out next week. So it's been, it's been a little crazy. Gosh, you guys have been so busy. I mean, you look at the success from Dark Side of the Ring and how much everybody loved that and was like clamoring for new episodes, couldn't wait for them to drop. And then like all of the buzz of everyone talking about shit online and blah, blah, blah. To now it's morphed into this new season having Tales from the Territories. So how did this come up? Like what was the concept behind putting this show together and pairing up with Seven Bucks, pairing up with The Rock? What happened with all that? Well, it was super organic. Uh, it was awesome. I mean, I remember, I think it was around the time of Dark Side Season 1 when that came out uh, in 2019 or whatever it was. I, I just remember looking at my phone and seeing that, you know, Twitter mentioned, The Rock has mentioned you on Twitter. And I was like, oh my God. So I looked at it and then he was, you know, obviously putting Dark Side of the Ring over on Twitter, which was just mind blowing, especially for someone like me as a, you know, growing up as an Attitude Era fan, you know, so that was wild. And then it was like shortly thereafter, um, we were able to get a meeting with Seven Bucks. They were interested in wanting to talk to us about projects, future ideas. And so the the roots of the show actually go all the way back to right after season one in 2019 with with Territories. When um, we were batting around ideas and um, the uh, short version of the story is that, you know, Brian Gewertz, who works uh, with The Rock at Seven Bucks, he was a former Also a writer. former guest on this show. Shout oh, out to awesome. Brian. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Brian's got an awesome new book out that's yes. amazing. Uh, it is a yeah, great it's incredible. Book. Yeah, of course. So, uh, so Brian, uh, we sort of hit it off with him, and we had this mutual interest of wanting to do something about like territory era wrestling because that's like a huge major fixation of Jason and I. Like, we love that era. We love, you know, we're huge, like, you know, world class fans, Jim Crockett promotions, all that stuff. So, we wanted to do something about that. And then, coincidentally, we were getting season two of Dark Side going. And that's when we were working on the Chris Benoit episode of that show when we met Chavo Guerrero Jr., who actually helped us in like a producerial capacity with that episode, getting a lot of the folks in that show um, on board. And Chavo also was, you know, doing stuff on Glow, and then he eventually would work on Young Rock. So he was getting involved in production. He also had a concept, too, about wanting to work and do a doc 
in the territory realm. And so it was all just kind of this perfect storm of all of us coming together and saying, well, let's just do something together. And then that was, you know, sort of developed and pitched as Tales from the Territories. And then um, lo and behold, we pitched it to a bunch of networks, but Vice came in and and, uh, wanted to do it. And so we did it. And then we went right into production on it after season three uh, last year. We went like there was no gap in between. Oh my gosh. Do you guys feel like you're burning the candle on both ends right now? You guys have been so busy for so long. Yeah, I'm pretty tired. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a little bit. We're, we're lucky though. Like we we've, we've been over like the past couple of years, been able to like kind of like amass like a team, and so you know we have like a great team along with us too. So we're you know it's it, crazy it's, too it's, when you think about being as busy as you guys have during a time when a lot of people weren't busy at all, and you guys just kind of kept that train moving forward and keeping productions going and, and all that. Like hats off to you guys for being able to pull all that off. That couldn't have been easy. Yeah, it was it was scary. I mean, it, even in in uh, when we were doing season three, and I, I'm, I'm sure we talked about it last time, was that you know the world shut down, nobody was traveling, but you know I think the most travel I ever did was during that period. And we drove it all in an RV, which was absolutely insane during you know 2020 for, for season three. So but yeah, but we're just super fortunate to have been able to keep it going, to have a great team and, you know, um, and, and for all this to keep you know, coming together despite all of the challenges and hurdles with the last couple of years. So how different was it coming into territories and working with another production company and working with somebody like The Rock, the biggest name when it comes to professional wrestling, the biggest name when it comes to entertainment in general? Now, all of a sudden, you guys have this new stamp on your product, which people have already been loving. And now it's like this new thing. How has that been? It's been pretty awesome, like uh, like working with someone like The Rock and what that brings to a project. Do you call him The Rock like, or do you call him Dwayne now? Do you call him DJ? What do you call him? <laughs> I actively try not to call him DJ. Okay. Uh, I, I, it's like you know people saying you know Marty for Marty Scorsese and stuff. Right. Like, I don't know if I know him right. that well yet to be throwing DJ around, but working with Dwayne Rock on the show has been awesome because I think what what that brings to the production you know is obviously a huge stamp of authenticity. And one of the hardest parts about Dark Side of the Ring is sometimes calling up wrestlers and getting them on the show. You know, wrestlers, I think, for a lot of different reasons and and have great reason to be a little suspect of guys like us, you know, of course, that want to make docs about their lives or sometimes the darkest periods of their lives, you know, and things like that. You know, working with Dwayne on the show has been awesome because obviously he has all the relationships in the world in this business. And it's given us the opportunity to work with a lot of wrestlers that we've never had the chance to work with on Dark Side, like Jerry Lawler. Michael Hayes from the WWE, you know, who's over there, um, you know. And, what was your uh, we, favorite Michael Hayes outfit that he showed up in? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's amazing. I love his style. I think it's incredible. You guys need to do an episode on that. Go to Michael Hayes' house and just like look at his closet to look at the fanny pack matched with the the vest to the pants to the shoes. Like, it's crazy. It's it's amazing. He has such an incredible style. It's total like, you know, like comic book villain style or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. He showed up. I think it was like in a, I want to say like a kind of cream to like eggshell, you know, kind of color. And it was all coordinated and perfect and looked amazing on camera. <laughs> I respect it. I love it. Yeah. I, I really yeah. always looked forward to a good Michael Hayes outfit. The guy does not miss. No, not at all. Never does. No. Never. No. So, um, who else did you guys get to work with that that was new for you guys? There's a ton. I mean, uh, we'd never worked with Ted DiBiase before. There was also some folks that we had worked with on Dark Side 
that we hadn't had back in the show in a long time. Like we got Brett the Hitman Hart back. Kevin Sullivan was one that we had never worked with before on the show. And, you know, when you're talking about like sort of casting, if you will, for this show or, or, or doing getting wrestlers together for it. Right. Is each episode the roundtables? Yeah. So it's a different format than Dark Side of the Ring, where Dark Side of the Ring, it's, you know, it's most largely like it's one subject, either about like one event. But we wanted to kind of try to recreate that feeling of being around like a table with wrestlers when they're telling their stories and kind of bouncing back and forth like off each other. We bring them all to a table. They all come to us. And they sit down, we try to create like a good environment for them to, you know, have fun telling their stories. And then we do the reenactments, kind of similar to like what we do with Dark Side of the Ring. But each episode is like five to six like different stories within the territory. Yeah, we sort of say that it's kind of almost like a Tales from the Crypt format, you know, where it's like, it's kind of an anthology of different stories. So it's not like a total history of the territory. It's literally you're a fly on the wall for like these four to five wrestlers coming together for the first time. Some who haven't been in the same room in 35 years, you know, when they were working together back in the 80s. So um, it's a cool vibe. And I actually remember uh, several years ago, I had just was, I think it was during maybe StarCast, maybe that same StarCast we were talking about earlier like walking into a bar and I think it was Road Warrior Animal, Scott Norton, Eric Bischoff and Sonny Ono and a bunch of these guys. And they were all around a table, few beers in, and they were just telling these (laughs) stories that were just jaw dropping. Every one, like one guy went, told a story, then the next guy, and they just kind of went down the line passing around stories. And one story turned into, you know, 20 different ones. And so then I remember even Eric Bischoff at the time, leaned over and it was like, if this could be recreated for television. And it's like, I know I've been thinking the same thing. And so um, that was what the challenge I think with this was, was just like, can we recreate this naturalistic old time wrestlers hanging out and telling their best stories? How do you get them to get to that level of comfortability together? Because I know what you mean. I've been there during those times when you're all hanging out, whether you're in a, a car between towns or it's the hotel lobby afterwards. Like I've been around those conversations and a lot of it is stuff that probably can't air on television or stuff that maybe they don't ever want to talk about publicly in that sense. Um, so a way to like capture those stories and still be really true to what those are while letting the guys like really let loose to to really telling that tale. At first, I thought, you know, going back to my experience, you know, at the bar or whatever, I thought booze might have been the answer to that. Uh, <laughs> for but, for um, you got a small window with that before it turns into a shit show and people are exactly, going through tables. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we didn't do that, and and you know, a lot of these guys are sharper in the morning anyway, and so. And I was actually surprised, you know, at how natural it was just off right away because I was worried because, you know, it's not like Dark Side where we go to your home and we interview you in your comfortable space. You know, we're actually bringing you to a studio and there's lights and there's a goddamn camera guy on a freaking track coming around the table and stuff like that. And so how is that going to take people out of the moment? But I was actually pretty surprised that it, it wound up feeling pretty natural, you know, right away. But I think that there is this kind of, you know competitive nature, you know, in terms of wanting to kind of one up each other with a story or, you know, they, they, they maybe will embellish or over exaggerate. And so that's one thing I think viewers are going to find when they see the show is like, these are the lore. These are the legends, like legendary stories of the road that, you know, have taken on a new life as each decade rolls by, you know, and so I think that's part of the fun of the show a little bit. You know, it's not trying to be, you know, journalistically accurate in a lot of 
ways because there's no way that these stories could be right but that's what's great about them but that's that is the funny part though because when you are sitting around in that bar and you're hearing these stories you're like shut up there's no fucking way that happened but then you look at the cast of characters that they're talking about and you look back to the 80s that like life was and you're like shit did that happen like oh my god it's nuts there's a pretty legendary story that's uh, in in our in our AWA episode that I think a lot of a lot of fans are looking forward to. I already I've already been seeing some chatter about it. It's a legendary story involving two wrestlers, uh, Ken Patera and Masa Saito. And one night they were drinking, you know, until past midnight, and they were getting super hungry. And so they're asking the bartender, "Was there a restaurant around here that's open?" And the guy says, "Oh, there's the goddamn McDonald's down the road." So. Ken Patera goes out to the McDonald's, but it's closed, even though inside the McDonald's, they have a tray, a mound full of cheeseburgers that he can see through the window. But they're filming a commercial. They're not supposed to sell them after hours, yada, yada, yada. And then somehow a giant freaking boulder goes through the window of the McDonald's, right? Which is the stuff of legend. But then that transitions to Ken Patera coming back to uh, his hotel room. And then the police start knocking on the door. Mace is flying. Fists are flying. And then it winds up with Ken Patera and Masa Saito, you know, beating up 20 cops, you know? And I'm sure that number has grown a lot over the years, but um, it's a crazy story. And uh, the way in which Ken Patera tells it, uh, you know, even though it's a crazy story, it's it's hard not to smile and laugh at it. How does it work for you guys? At, like, as you are kind of being like, okay, we're covering Memphis and we're covering X, Y, and Z, but then you do get this cast of characters all around the table, and I'm sure other little stories start to pop up that you're like, shit, how do we know which ones we're actually going to focus on here? Which, And then like other ones that are maybe more entertaining than ones that maybe you had picked and you're like, shit, should we go back and revise the, the episodes? Like, how does that work for you guys? When we're on set and, you know, you're feeling the energy from everyone and then someone's like, you know, I got this other story. And like, for instance, like in the AWA story, Greg Gagne, all of a sudden it came to his head. He's like, oh, I got this story. Oh, no, that's it's too much for television. You could never air it. And they were like, oh, come on. Like, you gotta, you gotta tell us the story. So it's this like epic story of a couple wrestlers being stuck in a small airplane. And Adrian Adonis had to use the bathroom. He had to do a number two, like super bad. <laughs> oh. And so they decided to help him do that by holding a garbage bag up to his butt. I feel like I've heard that story for like several people before. Because didn't that apparently happen to Andre at one point as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's there, there's a few of those with Andre, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it gets really messy. It's really disgusting. But it ended up making the, the episode. It, it's too great. So, yeah, that, that would happen sometimes. The whole process of kind of figuring out which stories are going to be told is kind of fun, too, because, you know, we have a team of researchers and, you know, they got all the wrestling, you know, biographies, autobiographies, the documentaries, the shoot interviews from over the years, because every episode is, you know, a particular territory. So, you know, episode one next week, you know, Tuesday, October 4th is about Memphis, you know, and then we would go around trying to research the best road stories that could be told firsthand, you know, from people around a table. We would sort of book them. So, you know, next week we got Jerry Lawler, uh, Jimmy Hart, Dutch Mantel, Jeff Jarrett, and his dad, Jerry Jarrett, who was a promoter. So it's a pretty all-star cast in terms of Memphis goes. Mm -hmm. And then we would just research these stories. Then we would call up each individual person, do like a pre-interview with them to make sure, you know, okay, this is a banger. And then we would get there and then it would be my job pretty much standing over the table, interrupting them every five seconds to just <laughs> get all the pieces 
So then Jason and I could go back and then reenact them, you know, in our in our own kind of reenactment style, which is a little more built out uh, in this show than it is in Dark Side. Um, and that was basically the process. You must be fucking exhausted by the end of that day because I know that feeling as a television host with these wrestlers, especially some of the older wrestlers, yeah. like trying to jump in there and be like, hold on, wait, hold on, wait. Go back to this. It's like wrangling fucking cats sometimes. Um, so, yeah, you must have been uh, very tired by the end of the day. Oh, man, yeah. And it was crazy because we shot them consecutively. So it was like every single day it was a new group, you know. And, um, and yeah, it, it was tough. Like just, you know, because some of the guys can get real salty real quick. Oh, yeah. You know, and oh, uh, yeah. Who's, this, who's this asshole? Um, and uh, <laughs> but, but it, was, it, was, it was fun and, and we managed to do it. Some, some were great. You know, working with some of them were fantastic, like Gerald Briscoe, you know, another person we'd never worked with on Dark Side, but on this show, oh my God, amazing guy, hilarious. <laughs> I want to be friends with him and hang out with him all the time. So when you're talking about the the crew that you guys work with uh, behind the scenes, as far as having the researchers and the writers, producers and all that, like how how many people do you have on staff for that? And how difficult is it? to go back and really do the research on these stories that happened in like the 70s, the 80s, when we didn't have the internet the way that we do now? Like, how do you guys kind of harness those stories? Our team is is uh, is has gotten pretty large uh, going into this show. I mean, there's got to be like a core of like twenty, oh, you know, to thirty, yeah, you know, including editors and other other folks who work with us too. And there's a lot of wrestling, you know, experts on the show. A lot of you know, in terms of our researchers, we have John Boucher, who's amazing. He's an encyclopedic knowledge of all things, you know, territory uh, era. We have uh, Jack Incarnacio, who does an amazing podcast called The Lapsed Fan. He works for us too. So these guys are you know, especially those two know, know it all. And in terms of working with them and people who've worked with us ever since, you know, we've done dark side, um, you know, you just got to hit the books, you know, you got to go into the autobiographies and the, and the biographies and sort of dig into that. Also like shoot interviews are a big, you know, help too, in terms of the interviews of that. But the big challenge with doing a show about the territories is that, you know, there's a lot of folks who aren't with us anymore, especially from that era. And so, you know, there's a lot of people that would have been tremendous, obviously, to have on this show, like a Bobby Heenan or a Roddy Piper, you know, people who, you know, are the stuff of legend when it comes to telling stories from this era. And and obviously, they're not available to us. So you are limited to, you know, who's around, uh, but you're also limited to the fact of like, which wrestlers are going to get along with the other wrestlers. <laughs> yeah. Because there's, <laughs> right. there's a lot of people like, I ain't sitting next to him or oh, he ain't going to be on this show, you know, and there's a lot of that and you got to, you got to navigate through that. So, so it's tough to kind of curate the right table with who's going to get along, who's going to have good chemistry because the show lives or dies based on the chemistry of the people at the table. Football season is underway, so now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up now with the promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E. FanDuel has all of your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. And with live betting, you'll get updated odds on games that have already started. And the app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And you get paid your winnings real super duper fast. So sign up today. Use the promo code Renee R-E-N-E-E. 
for your no sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Disclaimer, 21 in select states. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 for Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467369 for New York. The TN Red Line, 1-800-889-9789 for Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Who had the best stories when the cameras weren't rolling? Because I know when you get them all around, they're all just talking a bunch of trash anyways. Like, ever, they're still regaling in the stories. And yeah, who, who was the best when the cameras were down? Oddly enough, like a deep cut answer, this is the first one that comes to mind. We've worked with this guy, David Manning, before. Uh, David Manning is kind of an all-star of, of season one of Dark Side. He's in three of the six episodes. He was the referee and booker of world-class championship wrestling. Um, he was Fritz von Erich's right-hand man. He's an incredible storyteller. And after we did the world-class episode of Tales from the Territories, when the cameras weren't rolling, he told me one of the most insane stories I've ever heard. In short, was basically him... On the side, they would, like, after the matches, they'd have people outside sometimes selling watches, guns, you know, from questionable, you know, sources, you know, outside of the venue. And this one dude, he would, would hook him up with, you know, a gun every now and again or a watch every now and again. And one time uh, he went on a ride with that individual. And this guy just decided to rob David Manning, like, in the middle of nowhere. And basically was, like, point a gun to his head. And he's like, I'm going to kill you. And by circumstance, a car pulled up right at that moment, and he just booked it and was running through the woods over these barbed wire fences and like going across into other lawns and da da da. And finally, he knocked on a house of a door and he's like, It's David Manning from World Class Championship Wrestling. I need to use your phone right now. And they're like, Oh shit, it is David Manning. You know, and so they helped him and everything. And then he told me afterwards, like, Yeah, it wasn't really like a wrestling story, so I didn't tell it. And I was like, Motherfucker, that would have been an incredible story to reenact. I could just see it come to life. So shame on you, David Manning, for not telling that story. But um, maybe in the future at some point. When you've got the shady guy outside the arena selling you watches and guns, you got to imagine at some point the table's going to turn. Maybe he's going to come collect all the goods back. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So funny. Ricky Morton was also wild, too. I met, like... I felt like when the cameras weren't off, like, man, like he was saying stuff that like I, I can't even repeat here. Uh, <laughs> but it was really entertaining. He's also shameless too, though. Like he 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 tells it all. He's amazing. Ricky oh, Morton, yeah. another guy we'd never worked with before. That was awesome to work with again on this yeah. show. I watched the Memphis episode um, this morning before we hopped on here, and just like, oh my god, yeah, like you said, it's like that star-studded cast uh, doing the round table. You guys have like the who's who. The stories are amazing, and in classic, um, you know, dark side of the ring fashion. The reenactments are great. I feel like that's such a great special touch that you guys have just like really nailed. Um, even just like the casting, like it's the silhouettes are always so dead on. They're so, so good. It's one of the most nerve wracking 
parts of the whole process is it, it gets down to the 11th hour of trying to find those stand-ins, you know, for or the, the reenactment players, because it's real tough because the world just doesn't produce people like, you know, the people of the territories anymore. So it's it's very hard to find those shapes and sizes. And sometimes it's just really pure luck that, you know, we, we, we get a guy that looks just like Jerry Lawler. Actually, the person who plays Andy Kaufman in our... Cause, uh, oh, there's I cannot actually, wait to watch that episode. Cannot wait. That's just one of my favorite stories in general. Like, it's fascinating. Truly fascinating. Yeah, one quick thing about that is... Um, so episode one that you'll see next week is Memphis part one, the one you watched. And then next, the following week, we're airing a special that's just the Andy Kaufman, Jerry Lawler angle. Because when we showed up to set, pairing with your earlier question about, you know, it was just like these guys just went on a roll with the Andy Kaufman stuff. And we turned to ourselves and we're like, oh, my God, this could be its own episode. And lo and behold, it is. So that's what we did. But the guy who played Andy Kaufman, talk about luck, was actually the guy who ran the studio that we shoot in. Like, dude, you look like Andy Kaufman. So it was just kind of like <laughs> one of those lucky kind of things that happens all the time. Did you guys get any great like Jerry Lawler doodles on like scripts and stuff while you were hanging out? <laughs> I wish. Because they're spectacular. Oh, my yeah. God. Crazy. Yeah, we love him as an artist. Like, I remember even before we did Dark Side of the Ring and we were like researching it, like coming across his artwork or there was a documentary I think WWE did and it shows him like just in his uh, studio where he draws and it was so beautiful and just, he has a, such an incredible style. It's and nuts. I, like yeah. it's one thing to see like the finished product and be like, Oh, he spent time on doing this. And it's obviously like incredible the work that he does. But when he's like sitting next to you in the commentary table and just like doodling away on something like at the bottom of a script, you're like, look at you go. Holy. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's really, really fascinating. He's so talented. Um, what were some of the big takeaways that you guys have in your back pocket now moving forward doing shows? Now, having worked with Seven Bucks, working with The Rock, working with these companies that just like are knocking shit out of the park. Did you guys pick up any like great work ethic things or different production notes or anything like that? Man, I don't know about you, Jason, but like, you know, I feel like when we when we started, you know, with Dark Side of the Ring, uh, just, you know, it was just the pilot episode. It was like taking a whole year just to make one hour of television. And then I remember when we were sort of off in the deep end doing our first season of like trying to get a whole season of a show together. It was so overwhelming and daunting. And then the number grew. Season two was 10 episodes. Then it was 14 you know, for season three. And I think just the biggest takeaway for us has been to try and learn like how to delegate and to really trust your team. You know, I think that's kind of the biggest thing for me is like, I think in the beginning, we tried to do everything ourselves and we got burnt out real fast, you know, by not being able to rely on the talented people that are around you that can really bring, yeah, that can bring really great ideas. Um, and it's good to listen to them or to be inspired by them or, you know, to have it inspire something else. And so I think for me, like the only way I've probably been able to survive uh, the last few years has been able to really just rely and depend on great people that we've found or that have come to us or vice versa. And I think that's the number one thing is delegation in order to get that many episodes done. Yeah. And, uh, and the schedule for the show, like we said, we came right off of like season three, like into this. I was doing a movie at the same time. So it was like near impossible for me to direct on every single episode. So Andrew Arpel, our cinematographer, a DP who's shot um, since season two with us, 
on everything. He's stepped in and he's directing a bunch of the episodes for Tales of the Territories, which is awesome. And it's so cool, you know, to see him step into that role. That's like a, you know, a passion of his as well, too. But it it feels great for me because now. Does you know, it stress can, you like, out a little bit at first, though, as much as it it's did. nice when you're like, OK, <laughs> I'm passing off the baton and it's going to oh, yeah. lo- lighten oh. my load a little bit. But I'm sure you're kind of crapping your pants, too. Oh, oh yeah, yeah absolutely. We're perfectionists. So like Evan and I want to be involved in every aspect yeah. of it. So it has been a lesson in, you know, kind of letting go a little bit. But like, you know, Andy, he's so talented. And uh, like what we saw coming in, like right away, it was just so good. Same for me, like with Dark Side, you know, season three, like there was no way I could be in every interview, you know, like I couldn't be in every place at once, just, you know, by virtue of traveling during COVID, but trying to get all those interviews for Dark Side finished, 14 episodes worth. So I had to give up to let have somebody else come aboard to run the interviews, which was a huge thing for me. But it worked out and it was great. And it was just trusting in those people and doing that. And, you know, relief. trying to... Yeah, it, it was a huge relief. And now it's like, uh, you know, and, and now it, it it's a totally more functional, sane sort of environment once you're able to do that. <laughs> Thank God. Honestly, like I think like that's a lesson every for me, especially I'm so bad with that. I'm like, I'll do it. Never mind. I'll just do it. I'll just do it. Then I'm like, I'm so tired. I can't do anything anymore. Like to be able to surround yourself with the right people and delegate duties and make the machine grow and function and, and work better and, and more smoothly is you have yeah. to. You yeah, have you have to, to try. Yeah. You have to. Um, okay, so you guys have had your foot on the gas pedal for some time. Are you taking your foot off the gas pedal at all? Do you have any other things? On no. Back <laughs> What's what else is happening? <laughs> no. Uh, well, you know, so territories we're going to be working on all the way through the run in terms of it airing because the way the schedules work over advice is, you know, we only really have the first three episodes finished, and then we how many episodes the- are there? There's ten. Okay. So there's 10 and then we're going to be finishing them and then delivering them as they air. So we still got a lot of work to do. Uh, so we can't quite celebrate. Um, <laughs> so we'll be doing that. And then, um, you know, there's a lot of talks uh, right now about a, another season of Dark Side. I know a lot of folks were sort of theorizing that it was over, but literally it was just um, us having this in the pipeline and just having an, an opportunity to do to do this and to do something different, which is what we wanted to do. Um, but we're definitely going to be getting back to dark side, and I'm I'm sure knowing Vice and how that all works, it's going to be like tomorrow. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are some of the other stories that you guys are really eager to tell? Whether it's a dark side story, whether it's a territories uh, chapter, what are some of the other ones that you haven't got to do yet? Oh, there, there's actually a lot. Um, if, if, if provided the opportunity, it's interesting because working in the, uh, doing the tales from the territories, even though we're just telling these little mini stories, these five minute little kind of six minute stories of like hijinks, you know, or, or like insanity, uh, there's other like potential for dark side episodes that emerge like out of that, you know, it's like, for example, it's like in the uh, mid South episode, you know, there's a lot of talk about junkyard dog and talking about him in terms of some of the classic angles that he was involved with, you know, um, cause a huge, a huge ingredient to what, you know, is fascinating to us about the territory era is just the nature of kayfabe and the idea of like these wrestlers who, you know, that code was so, enforced and you had to live your gimmick 24 seven and the stakes of everything are incredibly high, you know, traveling, who you can travel with, who you're allowed to be seen with, you know, and how you had to uphold the gimmick, so to speak all the time. 
So that always fascinated us. And most of the stories in Tales from the Territories kind of relate back to that theme. But out of that, like Junkyard Dog is an example where it's like, you know, you hear a story here and there, and it'd be great for territories, but man, it'd be great to do a whole freaking show on him, you know, <laughs> yeah. for example, or, you know, talking about like other, like, you know, we did a, a, a territory episode about, um, 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 about Portland, one of the kind of semi-forgotten territories, not really forgotten, but it's more deep cut. It's uh, a weird ass territory where wrestling got pretty weird up there. Wait, Maine or Oregon? Portland, Oregon. It's uh, the Don Owens territory. A lot of guys came through there. It was just a weird kind of eccentric territory. I would imagine. Yeah, we tell a lot of great stories from there, but it's like, you know, Matt Bourne, who obviously went on to be Doink in the WWE. Matt Bourne, there's incredible stories for him. That would be an incredible Dark Side episode. So you kind of see that like through this, even though the lenses are different, you know, they're looking at it. You can see the potential of that. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of stories like those two, I think, are ones that we would love to do down the line. What about what's happening in wrestling currently? Are there stuff that you're like, holy shit, we can make some episodes out of this? Between what's happening in WWE, I mean, there's just like a laundry list of different subjects that could be tackled there. You look at what's going on with AEW, them purchasing Ring of Honor, like all of these crazy things that have been happening. Um, would you ever want to do something that that was a little bit more modern day with what's happening? It's always funny. I know Jason too, like when we see this, like, you know, when something like even semi controversial or maybe not even controversial happens, you know, the internet starts going with their dark side memes and stuff. Yeah, and it's, yeah, yeah. Our Twitter's <laughs> just blow up. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we're like, like Ghostbusters or something. Just yeah. Like, Get to the bottom right of this. Away. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. My dark side phone lights up as soon as that happens. Um, so that's amusing. But, uh, for me, I always feel like the contemporary stories are really hard to do. You know, when we did the Nick Gage episode in season three, that was probably the most contemporary story we'd ever done. But even that one, even though that takes in like a 10 year, that's like, I think it's like, you know, in into the 2010s, you know, but still even that story, you could argue is not finished, you know, being told or there's, it's still, it's still moving. It's still going along. Right. I mean, right after we did the Nick Gage episode, he wrestled on AEW, you know, uh, he he had all these other crazy moments and stuff in his career that would have been great for that show. So my so my worry about doing something that's super contemporary is that the story might not be told yet, you know. And and I think our style is to kind of go back and reevaluate or go back and kind of retread something that's already happened. So that that would be my thing is that it would be tough unless you know we could spend because normally we only get a few days to shoot an episode, right? Which is kind of crazy, but. Unless we were given the opportunity to be like, all right, we're going to sit with these guys for a year and we'll come back with the show and see what happens, you know? That would be really cool. We never get the opportunity to do that. It's just such an interesting time as like, I mean, even for myself, as much as I feel like I'm kind of observing everything from the outside, uh, given like my role now, like not working for WWE, my husband works for AEW, like all of these different things, but just watching the way it's all unfolding is like, holy shit, I cannot believe that this is happening or this is happening and the, things are headed this way. Like, it's just been such a crazy time. There's a lot of drama, a lot of drama out there. Drama-rama. <laughs> it is yeah. ongoing. It is Yeah, it's a lot of drama. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, what yeah. are you guys watching right now that you're into? Whether it's wrestling or otherwise, what 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 is like keeping you guys, um, you know, invested? inspired? Yeah, inspired, yeah. all that. It comes from a lot of different places, I think. Because like those inspirations if they may even seem silly, still leak their way into our work and our shows. So, you know, we're also really into comic books <laughs> and, uh, me, you know, every day, 
yeah, we're, you know, we're trading like, you know, images of comic books that we love, but like, it, <laughs> they're like great panels. They're almost like storyboards, you know, and like just the art direction in them and the color palettes, you know, those will leak its way into, into our reenactments and stuff, you know? And I mean, yeah, there's a lot of stuff to watch out there too. Um, I mean, I don't even know how this relates to dark side or territories, but I mean, I've been, I've been definitely digging the Dahmer show. I don't know if any of you guys Oh my God, that. dude. Holy shit. Is that ever wild? Like it's done really well. It is. Good it is. God, is it ever disturbing? It's definitely grim, but uh, yeah, I have to say that I think it is done pretty well. And I kind of wanted to, to think that maybe it wouldn't be because there's been a long string of Jeffrey Dahmer related, you know, films and TV shows over the last several decades. But I have to say, watching this, like, this is a good script and this is a good team putting this together, even though it's incredibly grim. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, trigger warning for anybody totally. who's going to go watch this show because it's pretty grim. But a lot of the details of that story that make it absolutely stranger than fiction, they are capturing, I think, uh, in a way that's uh, pretty, pretty wild, especially for 2022. But there was yeah. so much about that. Like, I mean, I've never been like this, like huge serial killer person. I'm like taking deep dives on what everyone's story is and all that. But of course, you know, you hear the name Jeffrey Dahmer. But me watching that show, I was like, holy shit, I did not know that this is what this guy was doing. Oh, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah nuts it's an incredibly sad story it's an incredibly sad sad story but just you know hats off to the to the people you know behind it because i think they're doing a they're doing a great job with it you know despite how great too the casting but you know how difficult it is to navigate that story you know Mm -hmm. for sure so yeah yeah shout out to molly ringwald by the way i was watching it i was like is that molly ringwald unreal yeah 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 it's really great it's really really great totally i love that um, what about wrestling wise? While you guys are doing these shows, do you guys keep up on any of like the current products at all? Or are you just kind of in your own bubble of uh, covering old stuff? Man, I don't know, Jason, it, it's 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 tough. Um, there's yeah. a lot of wrestling going on. Uh, Tell you know, me about it. There's a little too much wrestling going on. Uh, I, I To me, it's it's tough. Uh, definitely when there's a big moment. You know, when like I'll I'll get swept into it when, you know, there's some big angle going on or there's something that, you know, is is causing a stir, you know, or uh, like a lot of the stuff that's been going on with AEW, like kind of got me back into just being curious about the product. And I think that should be a sign to the company, too. It's like even someone as me, I'm not going to say I'm jaded, but it's just that like wrestling is so much a part of my everyday life than to like those few hours you get after working on wrestling. Are you going to watch wrestling, you know? But when something happens and it brings me back in, you know, or someone like me, uh, I think those are the things to pay attention to, you know. And I think for me, it's like when something like that happens, even though I know there's a lot of things that I'm sure stressing people out big time over there, but it's become interesting, you know, it's, it's it must watch TV. And so I think for those moments is when I start to pay attention and, you know, um, but to answer your question, it's really tough to find the time to watch all wrestling when you're watching wrestling already all day i know isn't it like messed up and you're like my palate cleanser is going to be the Dahmer show that'll get me right (laughs) but it's true you need to watch something else it is yeah Yeah, i hear you yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay so when can everybody watch the show when do new episodes drop give us all the details tales from the territories premieres uh um um, october 4th at 10 p.m on vice tv in the States. In Canada, you can get it on Crave. I thought I'd shout that out. Shout um, out to Canada. Shout out to Canada. I thought you'd appreciate that. 
And uh, yeah, so it's, it's then from there, it's every Tuesday for the next nine weeks after that. So it's 10 episodes every Tuesday, 10 p.m. on Vice TV. And uh, yeah, so first episode is Memphis. Second one will be the Andy Kaufman, uh, Jerry Lawler angle. Highly recommend that one. That one's been a, that was a blast to put together. Is that your favorite episode, would you say? Thus far, I know you're still kind of cranking them out, but... Yeah, they're, they're not all done yet, but I mean, probably just because it's so cool to see the kind of inner, the, like Ocean's Eleven inner workings of putting this elaborate angle together. I think it's kind of the quintessential elaborate storyline of the territories in a lot of ways, you know, and I think it forecasted where the business was going in terms of becoming more entertainment based. And Andy Kaufman's so brilliant. You know, he was like a heel comedian, you know, and so he really understood the business so well and that really comes across and everyone's reverence for him and he's just brilliant. So that episode is great. And then we go into AWA in in week three and then from there, I can't remember, but (laughs) all the rest of the episodes. (laughs) There's three weeks for everybody. There you go. First three. (laughs) Awesome. Well, guys, so happy to see you again. Really excited to watch this new show from what I've seen. Looks incredible. I mean, your guys stamp on it. Dwayne, The Rock, Johnson, Stamp On at Seven Bucks. I mean, could not be a better group of people to make some wrestling content. So I, I'm really, really excited to see it. Awesome. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah. Yeah, it's been awesome. Thank Great you. catching up. Definitely. I'll talk to you guys soon. All, All right. right. Take see care. See you later. Bye. A big time thank you to my guys, Jason Eisner and Evan Husney. I cannot wait to check out Tales from the Territory October 4th which is today, if you're listening in real time, um, make sure to check it all out. These guys do not miss. I mean, you look at that wrestling space and everything that they did with Dark Side of the Ring, then you pair them up with Seven Bucks and The Rock, and I mean, I just feel like magic is meant to be made. Super pumped to see this. Really excited for wrestling fans to, uh, to get a little inside look at the territory days. Um, All right, guys, thanks for hanging out. This has been another episode of The Sessions. Of course, as usual, I know I tell you guys the same thing all the time, but I'm just here to reiterate. Head on over to the YouTube. Search my name, Renee Paquette, over on YouTube. Find everything there because all these podcasts, you can see them. If you're one of those people that likes to consume their shows, that way you can see what we look like while we're talking to each other. See the guests. See what's happening. All that fun stuff. Also, by the way, by the by... I have this really freaking great sign, a neon sign that was sent to me by the lovely, beautiful, handsome people at uh, at the Volume Podcast Network. So speaking of seeing things, I do need to get it hung up and I'm not handy at all. So I'm a little nervous to hang it because it's a tad heavy. I feel like I need to maybe call a pro to get this hung so I don't drop it and smash it into a million smithereens. Um, but that's going to be my new backdrop real freaking soon. I cannot wait. It's so, so, so sick. Um, so once I get that hung, you'll be able to see that on the YouTube, um, which reminds me I should probably call someone to have that hung. All right, guys, until next time, this has been The Sessions. <laughs>